Um, any of you know what October 22, 1844 is? Ah, that's right, the great disappointment. That's when it happened 171 years ago to today, March, uh, the great disappointment anniversary. So today's message is going to be entitled something similar to that. Um, the theme of the, of, the, of the meetings is called Matched. It's called what, everybody? Matched. Now, the sermon is entitled the following. Match made on earth, not being disappointed in finding Mr. and Mrs. Wright. Not being disappointed in finding Mr. and Mrs. Wright. That's my wife for two months. It's been amazing being married. She's right here with me in the blue. Uh, not this guy, but right here, this girl with the hair. She is there. And uh, yeah, it's been an amazing experience. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, about marriage, uh, uh, about dating, about courtship. This seems to be a popular topic amongst Adventists or Christian or anyone that likes the opposite sex or is attracted to. This seems to be a very popular topic. So we're going to talk a little bit about this, what the Bible talks about and the Spirit of Prophecy talks about um, uh, courtship and, and marriage and such things. But, we, but before we go into it, let's go ahead and say another word of prayer. Please bow your heads with me. My Father which is in heaven, I know time is limited. I know these students are busy. They need to go to class. So I pray that you may give me uh, speed, but you help me to speak with clearness that I will be, everybody will be able to understand. So please bless us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Match made on earth. The need to meet a what, everybody? A match, not just a what? All right. You guys are really looking concerned right now. Um, a number of months ago, um, how many of you get Yahoo News? Anybody get Yahoo News? A number of months ago, um, short of a couple of months, uh, there was an article that was posted up in Yahoo News that a groom, he just got married, and that wedding night, you know, that the, the next morning of their marriage, he woke up to his wife, and, he's, and, he, and he freaked out. This was the first time he saw his wife without makeup. So literally what he did was he decided to sue his wife for fraud, basically for psycho, uh, uh, psychological trauma is what he called it that, you know, this is not who I married. This is the first time I've seen you. And right away he was like, I need a divorce. I'm going to sue you because you tricked me. Today in society, we're finding that there's many couples, I mean, the, the statistics say that 50% of married people get a divorce, and that is even in the church, those statistics are so. So why is it? Uh, well, the signs of the time is for sure that it's happening. Why are, do we see so many divorces? Why do we see so much crazy um, things like we just read, like that article? Well, the Bible says this, as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. So what's so big about that? So Jesus says, just like it's going to be in the days of Noah, that's how it's going to be. The condition of this world is going to be when Christ comes back. Notice how the condition of the world was during that time. The Bible says in Genesis 6 verse 1, it says, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wise of all which they, what everybody? Chose. So back in Noah's day, the men back then decided that I'm going to choose who I want to marry, regardless of what God thinks, regardless of what God says, regardless of God, period. I'm going to do what I want to do. And as a result, the Bible says that their minds was wicked continually. Their imaginations, all they thought about was wicked things. 
How many of you would want, do, how many of you want to choose the, your husband and your wife without regarding God? How many would you like that, to do that? Not one person? Cool. We're in good shape. Look at, notice this quote that talks about the need to meet a match, not just a mate. Uh, few have correct views of the marriage relation. Many seem to think that it is the attainment of perfect bliss. But if they could know one quarter of the heartaches of men and women that are bound by the marriage vow in chains that they cannot and dare not break, they will not be surprised that I trace these lines. Notice what she says here. Marriage in a majority of cases is a most galling what? Does that sound good? All right, after reading this quote, how many of you are really interested in getting married? Yeah, not really, right? Marriage in a majority of cases is a most galling yoke. There are thousands that are what, everybody? Mated, but not what? Match. Notice what she continues to say in Avenue's home. The books of heaven are burdened with the woes, the wickedness, and the abuse that lie hidden under the marriage mantle. This is why I would warn the young who are of marriageable age to make haste how, friends? Slowly in the choice of a companion. The path of married life may appear beautiful and full of happiness, but why may not ye be disappointed as thousands of others have been? All right, so this is a huge, solemn quotation that basically says if you are of marriageable age, take your time. Don't rush things. Are you guys with me? She says thousands are mated, but not what? Matched. Not matched, she says. How many of us like being disappointed? Or like to have a broken heart? How many of you like that? All right, let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever had or received a broken heart? One person, two people, three, four? Come on. Let's be honest here. All right, how many of us have ever received a broken heart? You were disappointed in a relationship. Can you raise your hand and be honest? All right, we prayed, guys. God's in this place, so don't be lying. All right, yeah, how many of us like being disappointed, right? Yeah, none of us like it, but a lot of us have gone through it. A lot of us have gone through it. Why are thousands mated but not matched? Why are thousands mated but not matched? Simple reason. It's because many of us are following the customs of the what? Many of us watch this uh, nice sitcom on television. Uh, and everybody, you know, the relationships just always seem charming and beautiful and exciting and lovely. Why is it that there's so many thousands of people that are mated but not matched? It's because we're following the customs of the world. Notice this quotation. Alan White says this. Satan is busily engaged in influencing those who are wholly unsuited to each other to unite their what, everybody? Their interests. He exalts in this work, for by it he can produce more misery and hopeless woe to the human family than by exercising his skill in any other direction. Alright, so the devil knows that if I could get two people together that are not supposed to be together, I could cause more misery and woe than in any other thing I can do. Case in point, you look at the flood. One of the major reasons why this earth was destroyed was because there was thousands, maybe even millions of people that were mated, but they were not what everybody? They were not matched. So what's going on today? Well, notice this. The ideas of courtship have their foundation in what kind of ideas? Erroneous ideas concerning what? Marriage. They follow impulse and blind passion. The courtship is carried on in a spirit of flirtation. 
The parties frequently violate the rules of modesty and reserve and are guilty of indiscretion if they do not, if they do not break the law of God. The high, noble, lofty design of God in the institution of marriage is not discerned. Therefore, the purest affections of the heart, the noblest traits of character, are not what? All right, so you're looking at this quotation, and you're thinking, that guy is absolutely crazy. Who is this guy speaking to us? I mean, he's reading quotations from Alan White, Spirit of Prophecy, that are depicting that a lot of the relationships today, the basis of it is just feeling and impulse, flirtation, and all of such. How many of you think that these things are bad? Raise your hand. Okay, you got a couple of soldiers in the front just like... You know, it, oftentimes what makes things bad is not the necessarily the act, but the time. Are you guys with me? Oftentimes what makes things bad is not the act of what you're doing, but it's the timing in which you are doing them. The reason why we, so, we see so many breakups, we see so many heartbreaks, we see so many disappointed relationships, we, see so, we, we go through so much emotional withdrawals and, and, we, and we feel like giving up is because it is not started the way it should have been started. I want to give you a short testimony just to show I'm not just blowing smoke out of my mouth. Um, I have been in numerous relationships outside of God and I'll tell you, the thing that a man looks for is the, the physical feelings and the emotions and the drive and, and all that. That's what he wants. But when a man is converted, he learns to hold back and repress those things until God said so. Can I, show you, can I share with you a quick testimony? No? All right. Um, I was in a relationship with Abby for two years before I ever kissed her. For two years before I ever kissed her. The first time I ever kissed her was when the, the, the pastor said, it is now time to kiss your bride. Now let me tell you something. Do you think it was hard for me? <laughs> you're probably thinking, yes, it was, because you're normal. And honestly, at some times it was. But I studied this topic out of courtship and marriage and all this, and I, and I started learning principles, and the more I applied this to our relationship, the easier it was. The easier it got. So I'm going to show you some principles that have helped Abby and I um, to not even kiss, not even, not even tempt each other that way. And I tell you, friends, that first kiss was amazing. Can somebody out there say Amen. It was absolutely amazing because it was worth it. I waited. I said, you know what? I'm going to take time. You're worth it. There's no need to rush. If God is going to put us together, why not wait until the right time? And I'm going to show you some things that the, uh, the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy teach us. The root word for courtship is what? Any of you know what the root word for courtship is? It means court. The root word for courtship is court. I want you to think about it this way. When I enter a relationship with a girl or a man or a woman and a man... I am now placed in what? Court, on trial. Um, in a court case, you have a judge, you have jurors and witnesses, you have lawyers and, and the person that's being accused. I want you to imagine that when you enter into a courtship, you are entering a trial where God is our judge, where the angels in heaven and the people around us are our witnesses. Where our, the lawyers of this case is the devil who's trying to accuse us, who's trying to cause us to stumble. And you got Jesus Christ who's trying to defend our case. And then you got the accused. The word courtship, the root word comes from it being as a court scene. 
I want you to imagine that as we entertain this subject. Courtship. Not one word should be spoken. Not one action be performed that you will not be willing the holy angels should look upon and register in the books above. You should have an eye single to the glory of God. The heart should have only pure, sanctified affections worthy of the followers of Jesus Christ, exalting in its nature and more heavenly than earthly. Anything different from this debasing, degrading in courtship is degrading courtship and in marriage. And marriage cannot be holy and honorable in the sight of a pure and holy God unless it's after the exalted scriptural principle. That's found in Medical Ministry, page 141. She says that the way we should conduct our relationships is to conduct it in such a way where we would be proud for God to be there. Can you say amen to that? Where we would be proud that God is with us, that God is watching us. That's how we should be conducting our relationships. She says this, marriage is something that will influence and affect your life, both in this world and the world to come. A sincere Christian will not advance his plans in this direction without the knowledge that God approves his course. He will not want to choose for himself, but will feel that God must choose for him. You know, it was around April, uh, the end of April of 2013. And um, I'll tell you this, I was not interested in a relationship with anybody. I was happy doing God's work. I was on my way to Louisiana to do an evangelistic series. I graduated from school called Washington Hills College. It's out in Arkansas. And my sister was still attending there. So I stopped by there um, to spend some time with her before I went to Louisiana to preach. I work at the um, Southeastern California Conference. I'm a Bible worker instructor there just to let you know. I'm not just some random bum from the street. Um, Anyways, I was there, I was in Arkansas, and I remember one day, not interested in any relationships, honestly, I would preach about being in a relationship, and this sermon is not about that, okay, it may seem like it, but it isn't, it's going to get really good, so don't worry, but I remember, I, I, I used to preach out of 1 Corinthians 7 that, we got to be like Paul, single and happy, I mean, that's, that's how we got to be. And I showed quotations from the spirit of prophecy that were backing that idea up. And no, I was not popular. I'll just give you that. And I, that was my mind. That was my mindset. I remember one day I'm praying, kneeling down. I'm about to start my devotional time with God. And as I'm kneeling down, this is in Arkansas at the school that I graduated from. I'm about to go to preach in a series in Louisiana. And all of a sudden, I kid you not, Abby came to my mind. Now, it wasn't a sensual, sexual, sinful thought. It was just Abby. And she was teaching English at the academy there. And I thought, no. This is the devil trying to tempt me, and I fought these temptations, I fought these temptations before. This is not going to happen. So I started quoting scripture, casting down imagination, and all these things. And um, it wasn't working. And I was like, what in the world? The, the, the Bible's like scriptural weapons. It should work. And I'm quoting all these scripture and Abby just on my mind. It got so bad, friends, that I, I stopped praying. I started opening the Bible, trying to find more quotations. It wasn't working. I began to weep and cry because I didn't want to have her or any other girl in my mind. Yeah, you're laughing. You're thinking, man, this guy is weird. <laughs> That's all right. It's all right. And I remember... I said, all right, Lord, are you trying to speak to me? Are you trying to do something? Well, I know that I'm not going to follow my heart here. If it's my heart telling me this, I cannot trust it. Last time I checked, the Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately what? 
wicked. I am not going to trust my heart. No way, Jose. So I didn't. I went to seek counsel around the, the, the college. I talked to the president of the school. I talked to the pastors of the school that knew Abby and I. And every single person was like, yeah, move forward. This is going to be awesome. You guys will be great in ministry. And that was not the answer I wanted to have. I was like, no way. I don't want to move forward. And finally, one pastor said, David, I don't think you should move forward. And I took his word from like Mount Sinai. And I said, all right, God, I'm listening to you. So I went over to Louisiana, put Abby in the back of my mind, and I went and stayed with a couple. There are two doctors from Louisiana. And um, for the first time, I grew up in a broken home. My parents split up when I was about six years old, and I had, I've gone through a lot as a kid, a lot of problems and issues. I got in trouble with the law a lot and all these things. But I remember when I was sitting in that home every single day, they would have worship together. And for the first time in my life, I saw for myself how beautiful it is to have a partner in ministry. I mean, every single day they would talk about God, plan out their day. He would go to work. She would go to work or she would do ministry. And then we had the evangelistic. It was the most beautiful thing. I literally felt like I was in heaven. A little taste of heaven right there. It was the most amazing thing. And slowly but surely, God started breaking down this barrier and this fear that I had of marriage. And I'm going to show you some principles that we continue about what makes marriage so beautiful. Here's a quotation. Uh, fancy and the emotional nature must not be allowed to lead one to ruin. God requires the whole heart, the supreme what? The supreme affections. When counsel is needed the most. When do you think counsel is needed the most, everybody? When do you think counsel is needed the most in respect to this topic? Right away? Or do you think maybe halfway between or when you're walking down the altar, that may be a good time to seek counsel? When do you think it's a good time to seek counsel? Very beginning. Notice this quotation. It says, if there is any subject that should be considered with common reason and unimpassioned judgment, it is a subject of what, everybody? Marriage, if ever the Bible is needed as a counselor, it is before taking a step that binds persons together for life. But the prevailing sentiment is that in, the, in this matter, the feelings are to be the what? The guide, and in many cases, lovesick sentimentalism takes the helm and guides to certain ruin. In essence, what she's saying is the, the mind, the reason, the intellect is not often the guiding, the, the, guiding the, the governing guide in making this decision, but the feelings. And she said it shouldn't be so. She says, instituted by God, marriage is what kind of an ordinance? Sacred ordinance, she says. Um, and should never be entered upon in a spirit of selfishness. Those who contemplate this step should solemnly and prayerfully consider its importance and seek divine counsel, counsel that they may know whether they are pursuing a course in harmony with the will of God. That's Avenue's home, page 70. So right away, if I think of somebody, I should be seeking what, everybody? Counsel. What kind of counsel? Counsel from the where? The Bible, if you keep reading on, heaven looks with pleasure upon a marriage form with an earnest desire to conform to the directions given in the what? Scripture. So right away, when someone comes into my mind, if I have an interest in somebody, what should be my guide in pursuing that person? The Bible. That's my first guide. Second guide. What should be my second guide? Godly what? Parents. How many of you are thankful for godly parents? Amen. They help you. 
She says, should parents you seek sick select a companion without regard to the minor feelings of son or daughter? I put the question to you as it should be. Should a son or daughter select a companion without first consulting the parents? When such a step must materially affect the happiness of parents if they have any affection for their children. And should that child, notwithstanding the counsel and treaties of his parents, persist in following his own course? I answer decidedly, no, not if he never what? Marries. So we should seek counsel, number one, from the Bible. Number two, from who? Godly parents. And third, from godly what? Counselors. The Bible says where there is no counsel, the people what? Fall. Without counsel, counsel purposes are what? Disappointed. How many of you want to be disappointed with one relationship after the other? No. If you don't want to, start seeking what, everybody? Counsel, number one, from the where? The Bible. Number two, from godly what? Parents. Number three, godly counselors. Notice this quotation. When so much misery results from marriage, why will not the youth be wise? Why will they continue to feel that they do not need the counsel of older and more experienced persons? Friends, counsel with godly people will help you not be disappointed. All right, let's continue on. What is the purpose of marriage? What do you think is the purpose of marriage, everybody? Speak to me. What do you think the purpose of marriage is? All right, let me ask this question. How many of you are married in here? Raise your hand. Raise it up high. All right, everybody look around. All right. What is the purpose of marriage? I mean, the people that raise their hand should answer something. A picture of Christ and His bride, the church? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. What else? What's the purpose of marriage? All right. Well, awesome. Well, we're going to learn something. The Bible says this in Genesis 1.27. It says, so God created man in His own what, everybody? His own image. In the image of God created He Him. Male and female created He them. So what was the purpose of man and woman being together? Was to reflect the what? The image of God. That's what it is for. Examine carefully to see if your married life will be happy or inharmonious and wretched. Let the questions be raised. Will this union help me heavenward? Will it increase my love for God? Will it enlarge my sphere of usefulness in this life? If these reflections present no drawback, then the fear of God move what, everybody? Forward. That's Avenue's home. So you got to ask yourself, is this person going to lead me on to reflecting God? If it isn't, it isn't the right one. Notice this. What else does marriage, what's the purpose of marriage? It's to guard the purity of the race. When the divine principles are recognized and obeyed in this relation, marriage is a what, everybody? Is a blessing. It guards the purity and happiness of the what? It provides for man's social what? It elevates the physical, the intellectual, and the moral what? Isn't that beautiful? No? Yes, okay. Yeah, marriage is a beautiful thing, friends. And when you, when you have that kind of mindset, it is to guard the purity of the race. It's to set up an example for the mankind. It's a wonderful thing. What else is it supposed to do? Marriage is supposed to advance the work of what? The work of God. I repeat, do not enter into a marriage engagement unless there are good and sufficient reasons for this step. Unless the work of God can be better thereby advanced. So right here you have a quotation. What's one reason why I should be getting married? What's the purpose? It's to advance the what, friends? The work of who? The work of God. Notice this quotation. What else is it supposed to do? It's to help you, it's to help you enjoy working for God more. Notice this quotation. 
Man was not made to dwell in solitude. He was to be a social being. Without companionship, the beautiful scenes and delightful employments of Eden would have failed to yield perfect happiness. Isn't that a powerful quote? Here God made Adam, and Ellen White says that Adam would not have enjoyed this perfect place without Eve as he should have. So he needed Eve in order to enjoy the work that God gave him. So the person that comes into your life, if you're considering that person, you should ask yourself, is this person going to hinder me from doing God's work? Or is this person going to like push me on, encourage me on to keep moving forward and doing the work for the Lord? Are you guys with me? Come on, if you're with me, say amen. amen. Listen, I am Hispanic and I thrive by emotion. Forgive me, on Puerto Rican side, it just goes crazy sometimes. So sometimes I need some kind of assurance that you're with me. If you're with me, say a hearty, happy, awake, amen. Amen. All right. All right, so here we go. Let's continue. The Bible steps towards marriage. Let's see the Bible steps towards marriage that leads on to marriage. First, before you consider on being married, you first must be married to who? To who, everybody? Jesus. Jesus. If you're not married to Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with God... Why even consider somebody else? That person is not going to make you happy. That person is not going to supply all your needs. Only God can do that. Somebody say amen. amen. So my first objection, if right now I'm sitting down and I want to pursue somebody, first start pursuing Jesus if you have not found him. That's what Adam did. The Bible says in Genesis 2 verse 7, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living what, everybody? And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he, was, there he put the man whom he had formed. And the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. So notice, before God, Adam was introduced to Eve, who was in his life? God. So before Adam had a relationship, a marriage covenant with Eve, he had a relationship with who, everybody? God. How about Eve? Eve had a relationship with God. Notice before she had it with Adam. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the what, everybody? So who brought Eve to Adam? God, before Adam opened up his eyes and recognized there was a woman right there by my side, she had a relationship with who? God. So notice this, perfect, uni- uh, perfect couple. Adam had a relationship with who first? God. Eve had a relationship with who first? Who brought them together? God. Why not have a better way than that? Why not allow God to bring that person into your life? Friends, I promise you, you will never regret it if you allow that to happen. You will never be disappointed. Our Creator, the Bible says, is our what? Notice Isaiah. I love this text. One of my favorites. It says, your maker is your what? Your husband. You were made to to have a relationship. You were made to be with somebody. And that person you were made to be with was God. Nobody said amen for that. Mercy on you. Your maker is your what, everybody? Is your husband. You are made to be in a relationship. Don't substitute the person you're supposed to be in a relationship with somebody else. It will not work out. She says this, or the Bible says, Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am what? Married to you. 
I love this quotation. The presence of God, Christ alone can make men and women what? The presence of who alone? Oh, you're not happy with that one. Let me show you this quotation. I love this one. Your only safetyness and happiness are in making Christ your constant counselor. You can be happy in Jesus if you have not another friend in the wide world. What does that say, everybody? That says that who is the one that you need? Jesus. I could be happy in Jesus if I had not another friend in the whole wide world. So step number one, if you want to, how many of you want to get married someday? All right, two people, three people, four people. All right. Probably all of us. My advice to you is to take step number one serious, and that is what? Be married to who first? Jesus first. Amen to that. Human love can never bear its precious fruit until it's united with the divine nature and trained to grow heavenward. Jesus wants to see happy marriages. Happy what, friends? Happy firesides. So first step, be married to who first? Jesus first. How many of you are in medical school? Raise your hand. All right, a couple of you. I could tell because you're lifting up your hands very tired. It's very weak. You are exhausted in being in medical school, I can imagine. Let me read you a quotation really quick, and I'm going to balance it out right quick. Notice this quotation. To the young men and young women who are being educated as nurses and physicians, I will say, keep close to who? Keep close to who, everybody? Jesus. By beholding Him, we become changed into His likeness. Remember that you are not training for courtship or marriage, but for the marriage of Christ. Come on, somebody say amen. Louder amen. 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 You may have a theoretical knowledge of the truth, but this will not save you. You must know by experience how sinful sin is and how much you need Jesus as a personal what, friends? Savior. So first be married to Jesus. Second step you want to find out is what is God calling you for your life? What is your life calling? The Bible says, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to do what? So God created the Garden of Eden. God created the earth. But there was not a man to do what? To take care of it. So the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he formed. And the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to dress and to keep it. Before God introduced Eve to Adam, God introduced to Adam his life calling. His life what, everybody? He told him, this is what I want you to do. This is your job. This is your calling. This is your mission in life. This is the step God wants us to take. The first step He wants before we get married. Now listen, if you didn't take these steps, it's all right. Don't get a divorce. Somebody say amen. 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 We're learning here. We're all growing. Amen. Amen. But the first step I should, if I am considering to be married, is to do what? Make Jesus my first, my best, and my last. Amen. Second, ask God, what is it that you want me to do for you? What is my life calling, Lord? What is it that you want me to do? Now, Adam found it. It was to till the garden. She's, Alan White says, Not more surely is a place prepared for us in the heavenly mansions that is a special place designated on earth where we are to work for God. There is a special place on this earth that God wants you to work for Him in. Next thing. Uh, Before God wants you to find your life calling, He wants you to be educated for that life calling. Notice what God did for Adam. 
The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil you shall not eat of it, for in the day you eat it you shall surely what, everybody? So be God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden, and this was his life calling, but before he carried on his life calling, what happened? He was educated on how to do that job that God called him to do. Amen? Amen. So he was educated on how to do that. Let me skim through these quotes. Age and character, however, are important. I have five minutes, I was told, so I'm almost done. In all our dealings with our students, age and character must be what? Taken into account. We cannot treat the young and the old just alike. There are circumstances under which men and women of sound experience and good standing may be granted some privileges not given to the younger what? So if you're in school and in your relationship, well, if you're mature and you've dealt with counsel, you've solved those things and it's good, keep moving forward. All righty. Adam was not a depressed single. There's lots of people that I counsel with that are so depressed. There's man, I need someone in my life. I don't have this person. I, I need to find somebody. I need someone in my life. Let me tell you, Adam was not depressed in there. The Bible says that, yes, he recognized in Genesis 2, verse 19 and 20, in the bottom it says, Adam, he saw that there was no what? Help me for him. But he is not the one that said, it's not good that I be alone. Who is the one that said that? The Bible says in Genesis 2, verse 4 to 18, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be what? So if we have the attitude, man, it's not good that I be alone and I'm so depressed, I'm so sad. It's going to be very hard for you to find someone that God wants for you. Give it up to God. Concentrate on your relationship with God. Concentrate on what your life calling is. Be educated for that life calling and let God deal with the rest. Amen? Amen. All right. Is there only one special person made for you? Like, I mean, if I choose somebody and it's kind of rough, is, have I made a mistake? Is there someone out there never going to marry because they didn't marry me? What do you guys think? No. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Watch this quotation. In Numbers 36 verse 6, there was a man that just had daughters instead of men. This is the thing which the Lord doth command concerning the daughters of Zethelhat. Saying, let them marry to whom they think what? Best. Only to the family of the tribe of their father shall they what? So right here, the women are given a what? A choice to do what? If the women were given a choice to choose, the men are given a choice to do what? To choose. But there's qualifications. It says from the tribe of their what? Let me give you some counsel here without reading it in this next, in this next quotation. And in Deuteronomy chapter 7, it talks about that we're not supposed to marry somebody outside of our faith. It says very clearly that we are not to marry anybody outside of our faith. The Bible concludes in Deuteronomy 7. Why? Because they will move you to serve other what? Gods. Okay, so that's the qualification. Now, Adam lost Eve, or Adam and Eve, the reason why Adam fell into sin with Eve is because he didn't want to lose her. And in Patriarchs and Prophets, you know what the Bible, Alan White says? That if Adam was faithful, he would have provided Adam another helpmeet. If there was only one helpmeet for Adam, only one person that was made for him, then there couldn't be another person to be made for him. Patriarchs the prophet says hey, he would, if he was faithful, he would have provided him another help me. So I don't believe that. I believe that we could use our minds to reason. 
When God brings Mr. and Mrs. Wright together in Genesis 2, verse 21 to 23, Eve was made out of the what? Say this, this is kind of corny and cheesy as I close. I think you'll like it though. Adam was, uh, Eve was made out of the rib of who? Of Adam. All right. What does the ribs protect? The heart. What else? Come on, speak to me. Who? The lungs. What do you need your lungs for? To breathe. To breathe. I believe that when Adam saw Eve for the first time, she took his breath away. <laughs> and that is why he said, this is woman. Woman. All right, that's corny. All right, let's conclude. How does a mind find a man? How does a, how does a man find a woman as we close? The Bible says this, no good thing will he, that's God, withhold from them that walk how? Okay, so no good thing will God withhold from them that walk how? Uprightly. The Bible says in Proverbs 18.22, Whosoever finds a wife finds a what, friends? Good thing. And obtaineth the favor of the Lord. If you are walking how? Uprightly. God's not going to withhold any good thing from you. If you find a wife, you have found a what? So what should you concentrate in doing, friends? Walking what? Uprightly. And what does the Bible promise? That not one good thing will God withhold from you. What does it mean to walk uprightly? Right here, Psalms 19.13. Keep back your servant also from the presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be what? Upright. And I shall be innocent from the great what? Transgression. What does this mean? In your life, men, try to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Don't go against the Bible. Follow the counsel that you find in Scripture. And as you do... As you seek your life call, as you marry Jesus, as you seek for answering your life calling in your life, as you're educated in finding that life calling, God's going to bring someone into your life, if it's His will, that will take your breath away. Amen? Amen? Amen. 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 Well, we're out of time. Tonight I'll be able to share my testimony more of this crazy young man of how he found Eve, of how he found Abby. So come, let's pray as we close. My Father which is in heaven, I'm thankful that we have these principles to guide and govern our life. Father, I pray that we may govern our life not to follow after the standards of the world, but after the Bible standard. I pray, Father, that first and foremost we will seek to be married to you, have a relationship with you that we will find ourselves being happily singled. And Father, I pray that as we are, that we may seek what is it that you want us to do for our life calling. That we'll be educated in respect to that. And Father, if it's your will, I know that if we walk uprightly, if we seek ye first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, if it's your will, you will bring someone into our life that will take our breath away. May this be our experience, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.